He actually is uh, in our parish church today, so he asked me to kind of close out uh, the new year with you guys, so we're really excited uh, that you're here. Thanks for coming um, and hanging out with us today. Um, I'm going to kind of do just a very different, we're not in a series or anything, but just something that really God laid on my heart, um, uh, heard a message, and then God just kind of planted some things on the inside of me as I kind of walked through it, and I just felt like it was worth um, sharing and encouraging you guys with. Uh, this morning as well. So the title of the message is Paradigm Shift. Um, it'll kind of make a little bit more sense once we get into it. So uh, it's that time of year again, New Year's resolution time. Uh, how many of you that makes you want to throw up as much as me when you hear that, right? New Year's resolution time, that time of the year where you make all the lofty promises that really kind of have no, right, no intention of keeping. You know about the second week of the year they're going to be gone, right? And uh, you know, that's the statistically, the majority of them are, are done after the first week, and then somewhere around the middle of January, it's over 80% of New Year's resolutions broken uh, right away. And so I, as I begin to think uh, about this year, um, I begin to kind of seek God in, in a different way. I'm, I'm very goal-oriented, so setting goals and things like that, New Year's resolutions, um, like all of you guys, set them and, and had them fail as well. And uh, God just kind of deposited something in my heart to look at this new year differently uh, when it comes to uh, his plans for this year, the goals that I have. And so that's what we're going to share today. But I found a couple of things on the internet about New Year's resolutions that maybe you can relate with. So go ahead and put that in My New Year's resolution is to stop lying to myself about making lifestyle changes. Anybody? Anybody? Next one. I don't call them New Year's resolutions. I prefer the term casual promises to myself that I'm under no legal obligation to fulfill, right? Nobody making me making me follow through with them. Go to the next one. I can't believe it's been a year since I didn't become a better person. A whole year. And then the last one. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to exercise every day. I'm going to go on a diet and stick to it. Oh, wait, is that cake? Right? So we all have New Year's resolutions that we do not follow through with. It's like it's, just, it's part of the deal. And um, God began showing me in a different way how to look at, at the new year. Instead of looking at it by forcing myself out of sheer will to try to follow through and to, to check off these boxes of the person that I would like to be, to really step back and through my relationship with him, allow him to shape me into the person that he wants me to be. And I think he can do that for each and every one of us as we look forward to 2019 to get away from these, uh, these all unattainable things and to just lean back into our relationship with God and allow him to shape us this year into the person that he would have us be. So we're going to kind of dive into it, really going to focus on seeking God and allowing him to change us. So I just want to pray as we jump into this story in scripture that I hope will be a blessing to you. Father, we thank you so much that uh, well, we're not here by happenstance, but we're in these seats today, whether it was because somebody invited us whether it was, uh, Lord, just, just out of a drive to get up and to be in your presence. Whatever it may be, God, it's not by accident. So we just invite your Holy Spirit into this place this morning. We just pray that as we read your word, as we study your scripture, Father, that, that you would, Lord, invade our lives. Lord, that you would change our hearts and that it wouldn't be something that we just hear, but it would be something that produces fruit in our lives, Father. May we leave encouraged by your word challenged by your word, but we are exactly where we're supposed to be this morning, Father. And so we're grateful for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. So 
the big question that we're going to talk about today and answer is this one right here. How do we create lasting change in our lives? Right? How do we create year to year? We want to be better. We want to grow. We want to have better relationships. We want our business to grow. How do we take those and actually see lasting change in our life? And so I have kind of like a big idea that we're going to repeat several times today that just gets across the point of what I believe in these scriptures that we're going to look at that God is trying to get across to us. And so I want you to repeat after me. Say, true change in my life starts with worship. Say, true change in my life starts with worship. And so today we're going to look at uh, Mark chapter 14, verses 1 uh, through 9. It's a unique story uh, about some characters that, you know, if you've read the Bible at all or sat under two, so, you know, any sermons or messages you've probably heard of, but just a really unique perspective that God um, has showed me in this scripture. And so I think it'll help you reevaluate what goals and change um, looks like in your life and really help unlock some things that God has in store for you in this new year. And so we'll start there on verse one. It says, it was now two days before Passover and the festival of thin or unleavened bread the chief priests and the teachers of the law of Moses were scheming as to how they could sneak around and have Jesus put to death, right? So here we are, really close to Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for us, and we open on the scene, and there are these chief priests and high priests that are getting ready to, they're scheming, trying to figure out how they can arrest Jesus without too much of a ruckus happening. Um, around where they were at. So I want to pause here for a second because one of the things that God showed me in this verse is that uh, even though the devil and and people may be scheming uh, in your life, that also God is scheming for you, right? People may be scheming against you, but you'll see as as we dive into these scriptures, but there's also the other side of it where God has a plan for your life, that God is scheming and setting aside good things for your life. So yes, there's an enemy, but how many of you guys know that he's defeated? Right, And so the promise of our life in Christ is that we get to do things God's way. So in this, we see these, the chief priests and these teachers of the law scheming to put Jesus to death. In verse 2, it says, they were saying, we must not do it during the festival because people will riot. Verse 3, and Jesus was eating, and one uh, translation says, reclining in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper. And you thought that your high school nickname was bad. Simon the leper is what this guy got, right? And, and so they're eating with Simon. And, and here's what I know. If, if, if he, I believe that he was healed in this scripture because if Simon wasn't healed, I don't think very many people would be eating with him, right? I mean, some of you guys won't let your kids around anybody with a runny nose, let alone a guy that's got leprosy, right? And so he has these people over to his house, and for some reason the nickname stuck. But what I believe is happening here is that Simon Peter is... Simon uh, the leper is inviting people over to his house to celebrate some healing that had happened in his life. And I don't know about you, but when God does something big in my life, my, my heart wants to open up and to celebrate that with people. And I really that's, believe that's what's happening here in this scripture and in this part of the story. So Jesus is at the home of Simon the leper in this next part of the verse. When a woman came in with a very expensive bottle of sweet-smelling perfume. So this wasn't Tommy Hilfiger. This wasn't brute, nothing like that. This was expensive, sweet-smelling perfume. And after breaking it open, she poured the perfume on Jesus' head. This made some of the guests angry, and they complained, why such a waste? We could have sold this perfume 
for more than 300 silver coins and given the money to the poor. So they started saying cruel things about the woman. And then Jesus said, leave her alone. Everybody say, leave her alone. Turn, over, turn to your neighbor and say, leave me alone. Right, so what they didn't understand was the heart in which Mary brought this perfume to Jesus. And so he says, leave me alone. Leave her alone. Leave her alone. And, and the reason I wanted you to say that to your neighbor is the reason that we gather today, the reason we worship is not for your neighbor. It's not for anybody else except out of a place of worship for what God has done for you. And that's what we see in Mary's life. So like us gathering today in the con- context, it's like, just leave me alone. I, you know what? My singing might not have been good today, but I wasn't doing it for you. Might have felt that it was weird that I was raising my hands in praise, but I wasn't doing it for you. You didn't heal me. You didn't redeem me. Jesus did. And this was Mary's posture as she walked in amongst these men. And we're going to look in Scripture how much of a risk it was for her to do this. And she walked in with the attitude of, I don't care who sees. I don't care who's thought. I'm going to pour it out before Jesus because of what he's done in my life. And so Jesus sticks up for her. He says, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing for me. You will always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can give to them, but you won't always have me here with you. She has done all she could by pouring perfume on my body to prepare it for burial. You may be sure that wherever the good news is told all over the world, people will remember what she has done, and they will tell others about it. People will remember the sacrifice that Mary made today. And it's in, in Jesus' words come true. We still tell this story today because of the symbolism and the sacrifice that Mary made on that day. And so I don't know about you, but I'm a very risk versus reward driven person. I, I don't take very many steps in my life unless like the reward is worth it. If I could at least see the end and see what possibly could be, then I know that the risk of me taking that step is worth it. And there's no way in this story that Mary could have known that her walking into that room where she was not wanted and not supposed to be and pouring that perfume on Jesus' head could have made the impact that we're still talking about today. She didn't know the significance of her decision in that moment, but she still did it. And I think why is because of what Christ had done in her life. She sacrificed out of a place of Jesus meant something in her life because of the experiences that she had had with him. And so let's step back a little bit from the story. This was a tough time for Jesus in Scripture. He's getting ready to pay the ultimate sacrifice. He's got a group of people that are waiting to to scheming and coming up with a plan on how they could eventually put him to death. And I love what Jesus is doing in this story. He's a couple days away from death, and he's sitting back at a table with friends. In my mind, he's eating dessert, drinking coffee, right, visiting with the people that he loved, probably drinking decaf, you know, he's got a busy week, he's got to... He's got to save, you know, save all humanity and everything, so he probably got to get his sleep. So he's leaning back and reclining. And isn't that just like Christ, that in the midst of the craziness in our life, that he can just lean back and be in peace, knowing that he's right where he's supposed to be? That's his desire for us, too, to be in a place in our relationship with him, that in the midst of craziness and storms, that we can just recline back and be like, God, I believe that you have this. 
under control. And so here he is, he's reclining. And one of the other things that I think is so unique about this story is that Jesus chose to go and visit with Mary and Martha. Martha, who was a very good cook. Apparently there's something about Martha's. Martha's in the Bible, Martha Stewart. They're just all good cooks, apparently. And so Jesus goes to her house. He knows that she's a good cook. And he chooses to, in his last days, recline and be with friends. And I think this really speaks to Jesus' heart to want to connect with his children. He's spending time with people that he loved. He had the most important mission ever, and he still took time to connect with people that he cared about. And so his posture and his mindset on, on his friends back in this story, back in this day, is the same mindset that he has towards you. He wants to be close to you. He wants to be in a relationship with you. He wants to sit back, have conversations with you. That's the type of relationship that Jesus shows in this story, and I believe he cares about that type of connection with each and every one of us as well, to be together, a companionship, a relationship with him. And so the same account of this story um, over in John talks about how Mary um, comes in and pours the perfume out on Jesus, that it was the same Mary that Jesus had raised her brother from the dead. And so I believe that what Mary did in this story was because she had had a supernatural encounter with Jesus. And there's something about when you have a supernatural encounter with Jesus that you start, starts to change your paradigm as to what's important in life. Right? Because out of everybody in that room, when she walked through with that perfume that that uh, another uh, uh, translation says it was worth 300 denarii, which is a denarii is one day's wage. So 300, almost a full year's salary worth of this precious perfume. And as she walked through the room to pour that onto Jesus' head, people were going, why such a waste? But because of the supernatural encounter with God that Mary had, her concept of waste and her concept of what's important had changed. That was the proper thing to do because of her experiences with Jesus. Her experience with Jesus was worth more than a year's wage. It was more, worth more than preserving that perfume. It was because she had encounters with him. And I'm sure you guys see this as well. The, the, the disciples in the room were like, why not just sell that and feed a bunch of poor people? Instead, you wasted the whole thing, poured it out in the living room on Jesus' head. And you know, there's people that think the same way as you, the same thing about you. It's like, why are you here on a Sunday morning? You're here on a Sunday morning when you only have a limited amount of time when you're not at work, you're not at the factory, you're not having to make ends meet and pay bills, and instead of taking the boat out and going camping and traveling all the time, or I don't know, downgrading to an RV and just rolling around all the time, whatever it is, instead of doing that, you chose to be here corporately worshiping God today. There are people that look at that and they don't understand. But it's because of what God has done in your life, it changes your paradigm with what's important, what matters. It matters to get up and to come and to worship corporately because you've experienced something with God. It's the same thing with Mary. And then some of you guys take the next step and you choose to serve in the church. Hello, instead of just getting up early on a Sunday morning, you're also going to stand by a cold door and shake people's hands when they walk in? Are you nuts? But there's something about your experience with God that drives you to do it because it's changed your perspective as to what's important in life. And this is what happened with Mary. That perfume no longer held a place 
above Jesus in her life. She said, I'll pour it all out for you. And when God does something in your life and it becomes real to you, your perspective changes and your paradigm shifts. Say again when we say, true change in my life starts with worship. So Mary, not only was it unorthodox for her to come and to pour perfume on Jesus' head in the middle of dessert, but also it was very, it was not customary in that time for her, a woman, to walk into a meeting of men, right? Not customary in that time. So she was taking a risk to walk through that meeting where Jesus was, was relaxing, reclining with his men, and, and to take and to do anything, even to come in unannounced, uninvited. And so here she comes, she makes her way to Jesus, she takes out her perfume, not Chanel number no. 5, something even better, right, than that, and she takes it out, and she began to pour it on the head of Jesus. And so she walks up and starts to pour it, and she's starting to get weird looks at this time, the Bible even says they start saying mean things about her, probably crazy woman, what are you doing, and I think it's funny also that in a room full of men, the woman ends up being right. There's a metaphor in that somewhere. And so she comes in, and she begins to pour the perfume on Jesus' head. And, and my question as I read this story was, how much is enough? Right? If you just want to show him how much you care about him, how much perfume was enough? You know, was this enough? Like, is that all that it would have taken for Jesus to understand that she loved him? You know, would, how about that? I mean, that's got to be enough. And I know I'm going to help a, a young man in here somewhere, but two squirts is enough, all right, of, of cologne. Two squirts is plenty. Like, at a distance, walk through it. That's good advice. Write that down, okay? And so she sits there. And so how much, how, how much is enough? And I could imagine the looks and the thoughts in people's mind as she began to pour out more, and it began to, to, to run down his head and onto his sleeves and off of his clothes and, and onto the floor, and she, she didn't stop. She kept pouring, kept pouring out her love, kept pouring out her worship to God. Kept pouring it. And you know what's unique about our relationship with God is God is calling us, you and I, to pour out our life to Him. We get to choose when enough is enough. We get that choice. So we get that choice if we want to give this much of our year to God or if we want to give this much, or if we want to be like Mary and empty the whole thing in reckless abandon to God, that choice lies with each and every one of us. And I think that that choice and that stance, amen, that stance that, that of, of, of how much we want to give will truly unlock God's blessing and His favor in our lives. And I love, there's one translation that says that she broke the top off of the jar of perfume. She got to this place where she said, there's no going back, all right? If I, just, if I just pull the cork out, I can stop whenever I want. But if I break it, if I empty it out in worship to God, I know that there is no going back. And so she considered it not to be waste, but instead to be worship. What the world might view as waste, this, serving, reading your Bible, Sharing scripture with people who need Whatever it is, the world views as waste, God views as worship. And our ability to change, our ability to have growth in our life, I believe stems from our worship with God. Our worship to God. 
And so we know that even in the story, Martha, who had been cooking and slaving all day, and I know you guys can probably relate, some of you women with cooking holiday meals, she even viewed what Mary did as wasteful. I'm sure she's probably upset too that now she had a bunch of perfume in her living room that she had to clean up, right? Like, what is this crazy loon doing? I've been cooking all day. I'm like, I, you know, I had recipes. I, Jesus came unannounced, so I had to, like, pull out a bunch of old recipes. I had to go down to the market and get the food. And this girl, all she comes and does is pour some perfume on his head. And then all of a sudden, Jesus lights up with what she did. And I think it's because we can get in a routine in our life of just checking boxes doing stuff over and over again, trying to improve our life, trying to serve God. And he's saying, start with worship before the work. Start with worship before the work. Begin with worship. Martha worked and Mary worshiped. And Jesus said in that scripture, what Mary did was the principal thing. It was the most important thing. And so God showed me this. If you want to change this year, if you want this year to be different, you're sick of, of setting goals that you never reach. If you want this year to be different, start with worship. Start with worship. Start thanking God for what he's done in your life, what he's brought you. Celebrate what he's brought you out of, his goodness. List out, even list out the blessings in your life of what God has, has brought you and begin to worship him for what he's done in your life and then begin to seek him first. Seek him first always. Because what I know in my life is you cannot be in the presence of God and be unchanged. Amen. It changes you. It changes you. And so if you want to be better, if you want to get better in life, it's, the Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit, so you spending time with God, you spending time and allowing the Holy Spirit to change your life, this is what the fruit of that will be. Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Every one of your New Year's resolutions is somewhere in that list. Self-control, love, peace, faithfulness. And all that doesn't come from a list. It doesn't come from sheer will. It comes from spending time with God. Because you cannot be in the presence of God and remain unchanged. And Mary knew this. This was her experience. God had been good to her. And so she poured out something precious in worship to him. And so this year, as we look ahead to our year, how much of yourself are you going to pour out? How much are you going to give to God? How much are you going to celebrate what he's done in your life? Jesus said that her worship would be talked about far beyond her time. And this is what I believe. Our worship makes a spiritual and lasting impact, not only in us, but in the world around us. Our worship makes an impact. And in this sense, with Mary, her worship made people mad. Why in the world is she doing this? And I get it from a ministry standpoint. It's like, take that year's worth of, of, of perfume, sell that, and we'll feed the kids in Haiti for three years. And that's probably what the disciples were thinking. But Jesus saw the heart behind why she did it. And it impacted. It was a teachable moment for the disciples in that room because God said her sacrifice is the right thing. And this is why. So this year, as you determine how much of yourself that you're going to pour out in pursuit of God, I want to encourage you to focus on worship that will bring lasting change in your life. Say it again with me. True change 
in my life starts with worship. Let's be merry type people this year. Let's break the jar. Let's go for broke. Let's pour out our lives before God and allow him to shape us into being what he wants us to be. That's the only thing that will last. You can, get, you can get a long way on sheer will, but eventually your will runs out. But the change that God brings in our life is, is everlasting. It's true. And so what I want to do just as we get ready to leave today, a lot of times when this stuff is fresh in my heart, I like to act on it right away. And so what I want us to do is, Frank and Leanne are going to lead us in just a couple of choruses. I want you to stand and worship God for this year. Maybe it wasn't perfect uh, maybe there were things that you wish you could forget about this year. But I want you to, in remembrance of what God has done, I want you to just spend a couple minutes. I'm going to sing with you, and we're just going to worship God for what he's done in our life. We're going to start this next year off right in worship to God, pouring ourselves out. And then I'll come up afterwards. We'll pray and be dismissed. But just be in remembrance and just a heart of gratitude for what God This is the air I breathe. <clears throat> this is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread. Yes. Yeah.
up to God we that is our hearts cry this morning Lord, we're desperate for you we're lost without you in and of ourselves we are so unworthy God but you make us worthy through your sacrifice through the life that you promised to us through your Holy Spirit leading and guiding us every day that is where our worth is found Father I pray that this heart of worship would not stop today but we would carry this with us into 2019. Lord, to start with worship instead of starting with our inadequacies and our inefficiencies, Father, but just knowing that you are enough and you paved the way on the cross so we could have access to a life that's better through you, Father. You care about the small things. But we know that worship is the primary thing. So we submit ourselves to you this year, Lord. Take us, make us what you would want us to be, Father. Lord, file off the, the, the sharp edges and the places in our life that, that maybe we've held on to for years, Lord. This will be the year that you change us. This will be the year that you dull the sharp edges. This will be the year that you truly change our hearts. We're so grateful for your presence, Father. This doesn't end today. Let us take it with us. As we go in Jesus' name, amen.